Good morning, guys, and welcome to Mount Horeb United Methodist Church. My name is Daniel Savanis, and I'm the director of student ministries here. And it is such a privilege to be hanging out with you guys, to be able to share God's word with you this morning. And uh, you're in for a real treat today. Um, if you haven't understood or if you haven't gotten welcomed yet or, or, or blessed yet, just know it is Father's Day today. And we are so excited about um, celebrating this for our parents in the room, for our dads in the room. So happy Father's Day to you guys. Uh, we've um, kind of designed our service to, to point to this a little bit. And we've decided to go with this theme of a superhero dad. And um, when Pastor Jeff asked me to preach, I'll be honest with you guys, it was about a month ago, he said, would you be able to do the Father's Day Sunday? I kind of was like a deer caught in headlights. I was like, uh, Father's Day, Father's Day? Um, I'm, I'm not a father, okay? Uh, I said, but, but no, yeah. And so I started thinking about it, praying about it, about what to share and uh, what to talk about. And I, I had this thought in my mind. I said, well, wait a second. I know, because they told me about the theme, I said, I actually know a real live superhero. And I thought to myself, maybe, maybe I could invite this superhero to come down and to, to participate with us this morning. And so I went to, to Pastor Jeff and to the, the preaching team, and I said, hey, what do you think about this? And I pitched the idea to him, and I gotta be honest with you, I kinda was, was expecting them to say, ah, oh, no, that sounds like a lot of work, let's not do that. And so when Pastor Jeff said, sure, let's, let's invite the superhero, I was like, okay, okay, no, so now we, gotta, we actually have to do this, we actually have to put this in motion. And so I, I called up the superhero that I knew. I, I said, listen, I have an idea. It's a little bit crazy. It's gonna, it's gonna require some travel. It's gonna require some work. But what if you came and, and, and did something with me in the service? And he said, sure, I would love to. And I was like, okay, now we really have to do this. And so I, I reached out and we've worked and we had a great time in the last service. And, and so I did call and invite the superhero that I know. Uh, I will say this about him. He is super smart, super intelligent. I don't think, though, he would be able to figure out Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. I can't think he could invent that. Uh, he's super strong. Um, he probably would lose in a fight to the Incredible Hulk. Um, but he's a superhero that I know. Would you put, guys, please put your hands together for my dad, Mark Stevanis. Come on out, Dan. Thank you. Thank All right, come you. here and have a seat. So this is my dad, Mark, and I told him that you guys would be a good audience. I told him to watch out for that section over there. Um, but he's gonna, he's gonna be sharing with us this morning. We're gonna talk a little bit um, through this message and, and through the topic, but I figured before we do anything else, you know, people have heard um, that you live in Italy, that you're from Italy, um, but, but sometimes you give a different answer. So tell us a little bit about your story. Where are you from? What are you doing here? Where did you fly in from? Go. Uh, flew in from Ohio. I'm from Ohio. Born in Ohio. Born in the country. I'm a country boy. Country church. But about, when I was about 19 years old, the Lord began to speak to me about going to the mission field. Uh, when I think mission field, I was thinking back then, jungles, going to the jungle. Never dreamt I would end up in Italy. But the uh, uh, Lord led, us, led me to go out to a Bible college in Arkansas where I met my lovely wife, Denise. From there, uh, she's from New York, by the way. She's from the suburbs of New York City, Long Island. And uh, after I, I graduated, then uh, we got married my senior year, and I graduated that, the following year. And we moved back to Ohio where I was a youth pastor for a couple of years. But uh, uh, we felt in order to get going to the mission field, we needed to to insert ourselves into some sort of, sort of internship. So we went to uh, my wife's home church on Long Island. The pastor promptly sent us into the Bronx, New York City, where we interim pastored. He, he thought that would be good preparation for the mission field. And, and it was. Kind of, different kind of environment. <laughs> different kind of environment. Um, but uh, I wasn't sure if I should bring my 
wife who was from the suburbs to the jungles and the mission board we were with at the time offered us to go to Italy as an option and uh, we immediately thought that would be good. We were both Mediterranean background and it fit in well with us. So that's my story, how I got to New York and from there we, the, the church sent us off to Italy back in 1988. And so they, they still live in Italy. My dad is here in the United States for the summer. And I always like to clarify that and explain that. Yesterday we were, we were out at lunch and I, I gave him the, the Lexington experience. Uh, we met with some friends, went on the boat and went across to, for lunch. And, and I said, um, we met the server. And he said, you know, who's, whose first time is it here? And my dad said, it's my first time. He said, where are you from? He said, Ohio. And, and so the guy said, oh man, so you're, you're used to the cold and those winters and the snow. And he was like, well, no, but I live in Italy. And so I, I know this is confusing, so I wanted you to be able to share that. Um, when I was two years old, my sister was four when we moved to Italy uh, in 1988, but you guys have been there for a long time, and uh, we have some, some more kids. Tell us about the transition to Italy a little bit. Um, when did you guys move there? Where were you, and what did that look like? Well, like I said, 30 years ago, that's a lot to pack in, 30 years of uh, experience in, in five and two minutes here, but uh, uh, we ended up in going to Rome, and then the, the mission board suggested we learn our language and stuff in, in Florence and get acculturated to, to the Italian culture and everything. So we went up to Florence where, like, I, like Daniel said, he was two years old and uh, we spent a, about a year and a half up there just getting acclimated to a new world, the Italian world, Italian culture and so forth. And um, yeah, being in an all-Catholic country, uh, we realized we needed, it was not, it's not easy to just bring someone to, to church so, um, so when they first moved to Italy, they went to Florence and studied the language because going to the southern part of Italy would be like the equivalent of someone coming to the south to try to learn English. Uh, it, it works, you understand it, but uh, it may sound a little different in different places. And so they started in the north in, in Florence and in Rome, and then you guys ended up in uh, a different region. Yeah, we moved down to the heel of the boot. You know, Italy is shaped like a boot, and we moved to a place called Puglia or Apulia in English. That's where we live now. And so they, we started in uh, this town called Bari, which is kind of the, on the coast there. Um, and they've, my parents have moved, and they've been involved in different ministries there. My, my two brothers were born there in Italy as well. Um, but some of the ministry that they did was first starting with church planning and going and being a part of starting new churches. Um, they did some time working at, with a camp ministry. Um, but then in the last couple of years, they've transitioned to help the Italian church there. Um, and tell us a little bit about what you guys have been doing with Italian yeah, church. Yeah, primarily we work with small groups. We, we actually began working in small groups back in, uh, as soon as we moved down to southern Italy in Puglia. And uh, uh, the, the idea of small groups working in a, an all-Catholic country, like I said earlier, people don't normally come to church if you invite them. But if you invite them to your home, they'll come. And uh, a lot of people have come to our homes, our home ministries, where we develop small groups, we call them cell groups or small group or family group. I don't know what we call them here, but uh, small group, small groups. life groups. And uh, we develop relationships primarily with people so that they, they can become acclimated to receiving the word. So if you can imagine for us, small groups is such a, a normal part of routine of what we do in ministry here. But there's places there, um, in, in entire areas, entire churches that have never seen that, never experienced that. And so to bring a small group there, again, for the purposes of inviting someone to something a little uh, uh, less scary to say, come to church, um, for some of the people with their background, is, is, could be 
feel threatening or could feel like they're doing something wrong and so invite them into their home and then be able to share with them uh, the gospel of Jesus. It's something that is, uh, has worked a lot better, has been effective. And so they help resource the church. And, and I always like sharing that. Uh, Mount Horb actually partners and, and helps support um, to some of you guys' missions contributions, help support my parents. And so I wanted you guys to hear a little bit about the work that they're doing over there. Um, and if you have more questions, come see us afterwards. Um, he'd love to, to share more of that. Um, I wanna shift gears a little bit because we're talking about superheroes today. And so you're a little bit older than I am. We won't, we won't say, we won't talk about years and ages. But uh, who are some of the superheroes uh, or superhero that you enjoyed growing up? And then maybe we'll talk about some of the superheroes when I was growing up. I think really the first superhero I had was probably about the only one there was, and that was Superman. I was growing up in the 60s, uh, it was on black and white television, and you only got, it was Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Times, and uh, I don't know, some of you might be young enough, like me, to remember those uh, episodes on if, television, if black and a, white. If it was on a black and white TV, then uh, that's a while back. Yeah. <laughs> then later came Batman. I think he, was, he might have been in color, although we didn't have a color TV in Ohio until late 60s, and uh, Batman had a car, so I, was, I loved cars and always loved cars, and... Batman appealed to me even more because he could drive. And what about when I was uh, growing up? What kind of superheroes do you think were? For you, I can still remember you uh, flashing around the house going, shh, 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 I'm Flash. And he went Flash from room to room. He, he was a good superhero. He, he was Flash. And then later you had Batman. But of course, in, when you got to Italy, uh, the Italians couldn't say Batman. They call him, to this day, Batman. And so when Daniel would come out of the house, uh, our neighbors would call him Batman. How are you, Batman? Well, they, they struggle with uh, the English pronunciation of words. Um, I remember as a kid watching Batman episodes in Rome in our house with, with my dad, and, and it was, this is when the episodes would, you would watch half of an episode, and the, the villain would be there, and the story would progress, and would get halfway, right in the most crucial, crucial moment where you weren't sure if they were gonna survive or make it, and the episode would stop, and would pick up the next day. And I remember thinking all throughout the night if they were gonna make it the next day. I was stressed for them. I thought they were really living in those situations. I was like, man, what's gonna happen today? We gotta watch the episode. Um, but, but I do have great memories of that. Now, Dad, the people here um, know that, you know, I work with the students, uh, I'm in ministry, and so overall they can imagine that I was a pretty good, pretty good child growing up. So why don't you go ahead and set the record straight for us once and for all, how good of a child was I? I have to say, to be honest with you, he was actually a very good child. He was a model child. I'll take, I'll take you to lunch after this. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, we thought we were great parents, as a matter of fact, because he was so good until his brothers came along. Uh, his sister was, he had old, has also has an older sister. She was pretty good, too. But uh, uh, Daniel was a great kid, except for a, a few things. Um, one thing in particular I remember, when we still lived in New York City, uh, Daniel decided he was gonna be an artist, began to draw on the walls, and, and it took a long time. We finally got it, him cured of that, but magic markers and, uh, and Sharpies and crayons. So our walls had his, his, his handiwork on them for a while. And we, once we finally got him cured, we, we moved over to Italy. Like I said, we went up to Florence. When we went to Florence, he got that old spirit back. I think it was also the spirit of Michelangelo. He decided he was gonna be an artist, but this time not on walls, on the neighbor's car. And inspired by his little girlfriend, our neighbor, uh, she got him to draw on the neighbor's car with rocks. So I ended up going out and spending a couple hundred dollars to repaint the neighbor's car doors. Listen, it was just an Alfa Romeo, it was no big deal. <laughs> um, 
Okay, well, I will say this, though. To my defense, like, kind of the environment that I was brought up in, you know, we say we're a product of our environment. I mean, we had kind of a, a, a crazy role model with one of our parents. Um, in fact, my dad is notorious, even as being an adult, of having some crazy stories, especially when it comes to fires. Uh, now, we, can, we, we won't talk there. about that today, um, but, but there are some stories. Come find me later. Um, but I do remember, since we're in Lexington, we live on the lake here, um, let, let's... Let's share, there's one story in particular where you had a little bit of a mishap with a boat and the boat motor. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, being that we lived by the sea, of course, you know, Italy is a peninsula, and we lived along the coastline, and uh, we bought, finally saved up enough money to buy my first outboard motor, brand-new 15-horse Suzuki, four-stroke. Uh, four and uh, one day I was adjusting it on the boat and took it out for a test spin, and I forgot to put the bolt into the... Uh, the back of the boat to hold the motor in, and I dropped the thing in the water, regrettably. My dad came flying over a wave, and with the motor in the back, hit the wave. When he landed, the whole thing came off and fell in. Now, I remember this because we got back from school, and the worship pastor from our church came over and picked us up, and he said, grab your masks, your snorkel, your fins. He goes, we're going deep sea diving. Uh, and he came and found us, and, and he did it. It was May. It was, the water was freezing, and he took us out there, and for about an hour, we kept diving and swimming and looking and trying to find uh, this engine, which to this day, we never found. We never found the motor. Of course, Mommy was not a happy camper. <laughs> um, that, was, that was the end of our boating days there. Now we... Uh, <laughs> Still have the boat. There's no Much engine. Much smaller motor. <laughs> let's, let's transition a little bit because we, we do want to get to God's word this morning as we share with you guys. We'll share a few more stories as we go about. But the idea this morning is we, as we talk, um, we want to illustrate to you guys from, from Scripture uh, this image that God presents to us and God gives to us as himself being the perfect father and us being his children. And, and so in the Bible, all throughout, as you read, as you read about it, you'll hear about God the Father, God the Father, and, and we his children, and, and we're compared even to as siblings, as followers of Christ ourselves. And, and I understand that for some of us and for some people, uh, this imagery of a father can be difficult depending on your past, your experience, or, or what you lived through. But this is the image that God has chosen through Scripture to speak to us as our perfect father. And so hopefully this morning we can do one of two things as we share through Scripture. The first one is that we could give courage to those of you guys who are fathers or, or parents on how to, to love your children, how to treat them, how to work with them. But the other part is that hopefully we can be encouraged as believers, regardless of uh, kids or no kids or families or past or anything, on just how we can receive the love that our Father has for each and every one of us. So with that said, I want to jump into our, our time together. We're going to look at a couple of points. Very simple. We'll share some stories along the way. Are you guys ready? Okay, I'm making sure you're still with us. Our first uh, thought this morning is that a superhero dad always welcomes you back. In fact, we're going to talk about a, a father that, in, a, in a story that we're all pretty familiar with, I believe, about a son who got into trouble and the father's response. Now, we all know what it's like to get in trouble. If I say that, just saying that perhaps conjures up memories for some of you of when you got in trouble, some of you, uh, male or female, mom or dad, young child, whoever you are, getting into trouble brings up, can bring up bad, bad memories. How did mom or dad respond? How does a godly father respond? We, we go, uh, we're going to talk about the story of the prodigal son today. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, and I want to tell us kind of the first part of the story, and then we'll read some of it. But uh, in, in Luke chapter 15, we have this story of the prodigal son, and you, most of you guys know this. There's this dad, and he has two sons, and the younger of the two goes to his dad. He says, Dad, I want to receive the inheritance that is due to me upon your death. I want to receive it now. 
I want to end this moment. I want to take it. I want to, I want to go do my own thing. I want to be independent. I want to get out of here. Give me what is rightfully mine. Now, essentially what he's saying to his dad is, to me, you're as good as dead. So whatever you would give me in the future, if you had passed away, that's what I want. I want it now, um, and I want to go and, and do my own thing. And so the father, for, for whatever reason, decides to give this to him, and the son takes everything, and the scripture says he goes to a far-off land, and he starts to get involved in what the scriptures say is reckless living, or some would say wild living. And so he's spending it, he's, he's partying, he's going to, to meet people, he's, he's spending it on in the, the wrong things, he's squandering it, and eventually a famine comes into the land and he starts to run out of money. And so when he runs out of money, he also obviously runs out of food, he has nothing to be able to purchase things with, and so he makes his way and finds somehow a job with a, a local farmer serving food to pigs. And as he's serving this food to those pigs, he says that he actually he looks at them and he can see the food that they're receiving and he wishes that he could eat some of it. I mean, he's like at the lowest of lows. Like, like, like that looks good for him in that moment. And in that moment, in that difficult time, he has this, this something clicks and he realizes, wait a second. If I could go back home, if I could be part of my father's family, if I could be like one of his servants, even they receive food and money, even they are better treated than the treatment that I have right now. And so he decides to go back. So let's pick it up from the scriptures themselves and out of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 20 to 24. And just follow along with me, if you will, your Bibles. Verse 20 says, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat, celebrate for this. My son was dead, was alive again. He was lost. And is found. And they began to celebrate. This parable is often called the parable of the prodigal son. But the fact of the matter is the Bible doesn't call this son prodigal. In fact, the word prodigal is somewhat misunderstood in our day, our day and age to mean something bad. When actually it's a positive turn, the dictionary definition of prodigal is actually impressive lavish, extravagant regarding spending. And actually the word itself better describes the father. Perhaps it could be better named the, the, the parable of the prodigal father because it was the father who was prodigal and lavishing upon his son who was wayward or as the scripture said, he was, he was a uh, reckless. This father did the unexpected we see this father as he's looking upon the, uh, the horizon, sees his son from afar off. And I, I like to think that perhaps, probably, this father knew that the son that he had trained and brought up in the ways of God, because you see when the son confesses, he says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He knew the truth, but he hadn't reconciled with it until then. And uh, the, the the father knew that his son would one day be back. So he was 
waiting and looking on the horizon. It says that the scripture says he saw him from a long way off and he ran to him. He ran. He couldn't wait to see his son again. He hadn't seen in a long time, knowing, of course, that he had done what he had done and spent all he had spent and everything. That didn't matter to the father. The father was happy, filled with compassion and love, forgiveness, because his son had come back and he calls for a robe, a ring and shoes. Only slaves wore shoes. He accepted him back to, and he celebrated by killing a fattened calf and calling for a large celebration. This is prodigal. Now, I don't consider myself a wayward son and I didn't have an experience like that. But I did have an experience one time of coming home and finding my dad waiting for me. You see, we didn't have a curfew in my house, but it was kind of understood you don't come home too late. I know it's a little ambiguous, well, what's too late? But this one night, I knew that I stayed out with my friends and it was too late. And so I was already scheming and trying to understand and figure out how am I gonna get in the house? How am I gonna make it to my bed and get to sleep before anyone hears me? And the problem was our, our front door had made the worst sound ever. It was such a creaky door. I don't know if you ever fixed it after I left. We need some DW4. We waited until you <laughs> left, then we fixed it. And so I came home that night and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I, I accidentally slammed the gate out front. Uh, when I went to close the door, it was creaking. The lock wasn't working. And when I turned around, I'd made enough noise that I'd woken up my dad and he was standing there waiting for me in his shorts with a metal baseball bat. You see, he thought I was a burglar. He thought someone was breaking in. I said, no, dad, it's me. And he was like half asleep and kind of looked at me and said, oh, okay, good night. Now, all in all seriousness, I didn't get in trouble that night. But the idea of this, of the father waiting for the son to come home and, and his posture, the way that he waits, providing this grace where he's kind of on the lookout waiting for him to make it back and he runs to him and he offers him all of this grace is just this beautiful picture because God in scripture is this father showing this reckless love, this reckless grace that we even sing about for each and every one of us. You know, a couple weeks ago as we wrapped up the series of Level Up, Pastor Jeff spoke about grace and truth. And the beauty of God is he knows exactly when to give us grace and when to give us some truth. Maybe we need some correction, but he knows the perfect balance between the two. And as parents, hopefully we can continually learn how to balance between those two when we uh, parent our children, but hopefully we can also receive from God a perfect dose of grace and truth. That when God gives us grace, that we don't take it for granted, that we're thankful for it. And instead, when God provides us with truth, that we don't resist it, but instead we say, God, thank you for pointing out this area of my life where I may need to level up, where I may need to grow. So the first thing is that the father waits for us with open arms. The second thing is a superhero dad wants what's best for you. In Matthew chapter seven, verse nine through 11, it, after talking about ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. In verse nine, it says, which one of you, if a son asks for bread, will he give him, the father will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those to ask of him? So the idea is this, that God desires to give these good gifts. And we have this interesting illustration where he says, if you ask for a fish, why would a dad give you a snake? If you ask for bread, why would he give you stones? To me, this one's always a little bit weird, like bread and stones. What's up with that? <laughs> well, my wife and I had the privilege to travel to Israel about 12 years ago, your mother and I, and we... Uh, you know, we, we, we were taught, shown by the stones that, that Jesus is referring here to uh, that look just like loaves of bread. Now, in Italy, we live in southern Italy, and of course, I'm sure there's nobody here that likes Italian bread, any takers. And uh, uh, the Italian bread that we get, it comes from a little town called Altamura. They look like just, they just like put big 
lumps of dough into the, into the oven, but they come out like this great big round stone. And these stones in Israel are strikingly similar, almost identical to the bread. And I, and I think in Israel also there's a, there's a form of bread that's very similar. It just looks like these big stones. Well, the idea behind this scripture is that God desires to give us what we ask of him. And, and I've experienced this as a, as a youth pastor when we work with students. Um, students are constantly interested in, in receiving or they want certain things. They want to get certain stuff. And they'll talk to us about scenarios in their lives. The truth is, though, that a parent or someone who is older or someone who has an authority over them knows better than they know sometimes what they need and what's best for them. And what they want isn't always what's best. Or what they think they need might not be what they actually need. And so it's important that we understand from here that God, as a reminder, being our Father, knows what is best for us in different scenarios. In fact, we all have different desires. We, we all have different prayers. We pray and we ask God for certain things. But you know, sometimes God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we think he should. Because we have to always remember that an answer to prayer can be yes. It can also be no. But it could be the very thing we're asking for, but not in that particular moment. So God's the third answer to, to all of our prayers is always wait. Many times it's wait. And so we, we think we know what we need. We know when we need it now. And God says wait. And it's sort of like, as Dan was saying, a child who wants to eat candy for breakfast and mom or dad says, wait, you get candy later in the day. You can't have ice cream for breakfast. You have to eat your cereal or whatever. You have to eat breakfast first. So... And yet some of the best memories are when mom goes on vacation and we have dessert for dinner, am I right? Um, so the father knows what's best for us. Um, and he wants what's best for us and he's willing to forgive us, wait for us with open arms. Uh, our third thing that I want you guys to, to take away today is that a superhero dad treats you as a friend. Um, and this is beautiful because we've, we've talked and unpacked a little bit this illustration of God the father dealing with us as children. But there's this other illustration that God develops in scripture, and that's of, of God uh, becoming our friend. And, and this is, uh, obviously carries so many different connotations, um, has so much packed into that and charged into that. What, what I like to tell people is there was a very clear moment, even in parenting, where you know that you have to transition from being a, a positional leader to an influential leader, where you have to go from just being the authority that provides everything for their kids to then start to move to being a parent who is able to uh, influence and recommend and, and, and talk through and kind of coach your child along. I always tell people, I realized when my dad and I became friends, this I always say is embarrassing for him, but I was in college and I received an email. Now my dad sends, loves to send joke emails like, you know, like jokes or funny stories or, or and he sends way too many of them. Sorry, Not dad. all jokes. Some of them are serious important too. But this one particular day I was in college, um, in Bible college, and I received an email from my dad with a joke in it. And I will never forget this because it had a bad word in it. Now, in, in my home, we didn't, we didn't say bad words. My parents didn't. And so when I saw this, I was like, uh, uh, and I realized in that moment, man, we're not just, I'm not just the son anymore. We're actually friends. And, and I've been able to see that in our life and be able to transition a little bit of, of our lifestyle. But, but show us it from scripture. Well, in fact, the verse we're going to read now in John 15, 15, Jesus makes this transition with his disciples. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servants do not know a servant does not know what the, his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So there was a definite uh, graduation, if you were, in the life of the disciples where Jesus transitioned them from being just servants to friends. 
I've got to say for, for myself, this has been probably the, the most enjoyable part of, of growing up is transitioning in this role um, and, and seeing my parents become in this role of friends. Um, I think back at the, the significant moments in my life, um, the hardest thing for me was, was when I had to pick between two different colleges and I had a season where I was unsure about one decision or another and I wasn't sure where to go. And I remember inviting my parents into that process and really feeling like I wanted to hear from them. I, I wanted some of their advice. Um, when I graduated college and I started my first job in ministry, it was uh, on Long Island, New York, and my dad was able to be there because he knew the church, and, and so my first day of ministry, my first day of work, my dad was there, and even then at that church where I was ordained, it was a Baptist church and a Baptist ordination, I'm sorry guys, um, but even on that special day, they, they brought my dad in from Italy and he was able to come and participate um, in that significant event of my life, and so our relationship has changed, and I've been able to go to, to my dad and to my mom uh, as friends and seek advice from them and say, hey, what do you think about this, or I'm thinking about doing that, or, or this is coming up, or be in prayer for this situation, and I'm able to talk to them and, and, and change that relationship with them, and the beauty of it is, usually their advice to me is, well, why are you telling us you need to go to God and, and bring it to him and surrender to him and, and seek what God's advice is for you? And so I've been blessed in the, in the transition of that role in my life. Being that it's Father's Day, uh, I think I'd just like to kind of capture this all in, a, in a, a word of advice also because I'm sure there's some fathers out here whose son or daughter, maybe there's a, uh, something that's not right in the relationship needs to be restored I wanna pray for you today that there will be restoration and, and let you just know that God is that father who is lavish, he's extravagant, he wants to forgive, he wants to restore the relationship between you and your son or you and your daughter. Maybe there's a son or daughter who's resisting your dad or maybe you need some, some uh, a return to the father. And uh, I wanna pray for you, son or daughter as well, that, that this be a time when God can just restore that relationship with your father, God wants that. God's asking for that, and that's the point of our time together today. I think a, a conversation like this, as we said from the beginning, and we truly believe and understand is, is not always easy. Um, the idea of this being a painful day for some people isn't lost on us. My, my mom lost her dad when she was really young into a car accident, and she grew up without a dad. And so I understand that this time and, and having counsel with students and families for some can be difficult or it can be a, a time of, of great pain. You know, not everyone has the picture-perfect family and maybe there's divorce uh, in the family or maybe there's abuse or maybe there's just not a great example. We, we understand that um, and we are here to, to pray for that as well. But at the same time, God gives us this beautiful picture of him being the dad for us, the dad that is able to transition to friend. So no matter what you have gone through, no matter what you've experienced, if, if you are a parent today, or maybe you say, I've made mistakes, or, or I'm not like that, well, you can start today. You can become a superhero dad, or you can receive from God the, the love, the open arms of the Father that's waiting for us, waiting for us to run back to him, or you can receive the, the, the good gifts that he has that he knows best for us, the trust in him, the trust of what he has and what he's providing for us. And maybe you can start to enjoy the friendship with God that he desires to have with each and every one of you guys. And so I've asked my dad this morning to, to pray for all of you guys, for the people of Mount Horeb. So dad, why don't you pray for us? Okay. Father in heaven, we just come before you to give you thanks because you are the perfect father. I'd like to pray, Lord, in a special way for every father here today that there would be peace and harmony, restoration with every child son or daughter that perhaps is straight away or perhaps there's a rift in that relationship. 
Lord, would you bring healing to each family, each father, for each son or daughter that's having difficulty to go to their fathers. Perhaps their fathers don't believe in you. Your word says, Lord, that in the last days you will turn the hearts of the father, uh, the sons and daughters back to the fathers. We pray, Lord, for restoration in every area, for healing, for your perfect touch. May you bring harmony to each family. We pray in Jesus' name.